It was the summer before my eighth grade, which means it was almost 30 years ago. So it was a while ago. There was no such things as cell phones. Well, there's probably such things, but it was like this big. And um, we had landlines at our house. We had a phone in every single room of the house, pretty much. And it, we got a phone call really late in the night, really early in the morning, probably three, four o'clock in the morning, which is never good. And uh, my cousin, Travis, was killed in a car accident. He was 22. He was my oldest cousin. He was the cousin I looked up to the most. He had just come for a visit. It was an awesome visit. He had a truck, and he drove us around in his truck, and he had his music. He had a big system in his car, and the bass was going. It just, my cousin was so cool in my eyes. And then I find out on that day that my cousin had died. And I had lost people I'd loved. I had lost people I'd cared about. But, and I had mourned over their loss. I had wept. But there was something different about when my cousin was killed in a car accident. He was like just so cool to me. And I mourned and wept in a way that I had never mourned and wept. And when I thought that I was doing better, something would happen, and it would send me right back to that. Have you ever been there? Have you ever, like, really mourned and really wept? Um, I bring bad news to you that we all will go through that. In fact, what I've already mourned, I've had worse mourning since. And I likely will have worse mourning than I've already been through. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that we talked about several uh, weeks ago now, but for everything there's a season, there's a time under heaven, there's a time to be born, a time to die, there's a time to plant, a time to pluck up what has been planted. There's a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. I don't know where you have been and whether you've really been in deep mourning at any point in time in your life, but if you haven't, it's coming. We mourn for all sorts of things. We mourn over the loss of a loved one. Um, we can mourn over the loss of a pet. That was way harder than I expected it to be. We can mourn the end of a relationship. We can mourn a change in health of ourselves or someone else. We can mourn the loss of an idea or a dream. We can mourn the loss of a job. We can mourn the uncertainty of our future. We can mourn the loss of stuff. My dad, as he was growing up, his grandparents' house burned to the ground. They lost everything, and they mourned the loss of stuff. We can mourn when we're in loneliness or failure. And I think really what Ecclesiastes is telling us is that to live this life is to mourn. We will all go through seasons of mourning. And I'm sure that few of us, if any of us, enjoy that aspect of life or look forward to it, or even look back on it with fondness. It's not that I look back on that day and the weeks thereafter when my cousin had died that I look back on that with fondness. However, I can say if I look back and really think about it, I felt God in a different way than I ever had before. For some reason, God felt more near. He felt more caring. He didn't seem like this cosmic rule giver. And then through that, I felt comfort. Today, we're going to be talking about Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, where Jesus is speaking, and he says, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And it seems like what God is saying, and it's what Jesus is saying to us in this, is that there is a benefit to going through times of mourning. There's something to be gained, there's something that comes out of it, and it's a comfort that only God can give. 
God can give us a deep comfort, a true comfort, a comfort much more deep and much more profound than the comfort that we usually seek. And I was thinking about it this morning, and here, here's me, here's what I like, here's comfort. It's a Sunday, and I'm watching football, slash sleeping. That's comfort. But then I started thinking about, what well, really, it's not, that's not quite enough. It's like I also um, want to be uninterrupted. I want to watch football all day. But I still need more. I need to be wearing my favorite sweatpants. I want to have a, a full stomach, some candy in my hand. And it just keeps going and keeps going. I know for my wife, true comfort feels like sitting on a lounge chair with the sun beating on her face, uninterrupted. But again, it keeps going. There's got to be Jack Johnson playing. There's, there's all of these things to get comfort. But God wants to give us a comfort that's deeper than all of that, a true comfort, a real comfort, a comfort that's beyond our circumstances. And the thing is, is blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It, there's many other verses that say similar things. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near the brokenhearted. He saves the contrite spirit. Job 5 says that he, God, sets on high those who are lowly, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. 2 Corinthians 1 says, describes God as the God of all comfort, who com comforts us in all of our afflictions. Isaiah 61, it's talking about the coming Messiah, and in it it says that God will come, that he will send the Messiah to come to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, to give them the oil of gladness instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Psalm 145, 14 says, The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. Just if you look through those verses, when we're in mourning, it says that God wants to come near. He wants to save. He wants to set on high. He wants to lift us to safety, to comfort us, to bind us, to give us a headdress, to give us gladness. There's so much that it says. And like I said, when I lost my cousin, in times I've been in mourning, God has, has been closer to me than many other times in my life. And so I think, though, when we begin to think about Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The first thing that comes to our mind is mourning of loss. And I'm not saying that this verse isn't saying that, but I think it's saying way more than blessed are those who mourn over their loss, for they shall be comforted. In fact, there's two other things that I want us to talk about today of how and ways that we are blessed when we mourn in these specific ways. So that's what we're going to talk about in just a minute. Before we dive into that, let me remind you where we've been if you haven't been here. We've been going through the Beatitudes um, found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. It's all these places where it says, blessed are. Last week we talked about the poor in spirit. Today the mourn, those who mourn. Next week those who meek. And after every single one it says, blessed are, and it says something. It says, for theirs is or they shall. So that's where we've been, and if you remember, there's the, been this big crowd of people following Jesus, and just before Jesus begins to say these things, he walks up to a mountain, he sits down, he begins teaching to this huge, huge crowd. But it says that he taught his disciples, and so what he's teaching, it's, it's not just his 12 disciples, that term for disciples there, it's not just the 12, he's talking to, generally speaking, those who follow Jesus, not only the words that he says, but his conduct of life. And so that's who Jesus is speaking to. But the thing is that we've talked about um, pockets of the past couple messages that the, these things, these, these beatitudes, blessed are, it's not this thing that you just need to try to be. It's not like just try your hardest to be poor in spirit, then you'll be good. That's not what it is. It's also not just like do these things and you'll gain your salvation. That's not what these are about. 
It's much more than just bringing us comfort. Like if you're going through bad circumstances, just read this verse and you'll feel better. It's, it's beyond that. It's really probably more of a sign that the Spirit is inside of you. When we live these things out, it's kind of a sign that, that God is at work inside of us. And so um, today we'll talk about blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And to be honest with you, when I kind of laid out how we were going to do this, that we were going to do one whole message on poor in spirit, one whole message on mourning, one whole message on weak, on meek, I thought, man, this is going to be really difficult. And as I spent time in the word this week, in all honesty, I think I could probably preach three to six messages on this one topic. And so I feel like if I have any concern about today, it's that it feels long. Uh, it's only going to be like another hour or so, but um, just kidding. No, but it feels long. It feels almost like segments, like feels disconnected in a way. But, but again, I think that there's so much here. I think I could really go much, much further, much deeper than what we're going to talk about today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Before we go any further, let's pray. God, I um, pray that you would communicate through me, but not just through me, that you'd communicate in me, that this would not just be something that I can say, but something that I truly um, experience. God, I pray um, for any of us here who, who hate, which is probably all of us, the aspect of life of the fact that we mourn. I pray that, God, that you will bring your comfort, that you will use today to teach us, to show us, to remind us um, who you are and what you're like. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I think when we talk about blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted, the first thing we think of is mourning for loss. And I think it's good. God, I think, really does give us a comfort that takes us through this life. Like, I can tell you that in times when I've experienced this mourning, God has comforted me in ways that helps me get up the next day. It helps me can kind of continue. But, he, but the, when, we, when we are mourning simply for um, loss, the comfort that we get will get us through the day. But I think that God wants to give us a deeper comfort than that. And it comes through when we begin to mourn over our sin. We begin to see that we're not perfect, that we have faults, major faults, that we have missteps, that we have failures, that we see how we kind of deny Christ. We can see how at times we distance ourselves from him. We can see how sometimes we doubt who he is, what he's like. And I think that what this is saying, blessed are those who mourn, I think it's blessed are those who mourn over their sin. They begin to see it. And they're not ignorant about it. For they shall be comforted. That word mourning means to have an inner grief that is deep into your soul. And again, when we think about loss of someone we care about, you feel it so deep. It, you can feel it affect your soul. And I think what this is talking about is blessed are you who mourn over your sin in such a way that it goes deep into your soul. You understand that the things that you do against God are, are, are profound. Blessed are those who mourn. Uh, mourning is not a passive feeling, but an active attitude. The opposite of mourning is to just feel numb. And I can tell you that when I lost my cousin, I didn't just feel numb to it. There was deep pain. And I think what Jesus is talking about when he says, blessed are those who mourn, is it's beyond mourning for the loss. It's mourning over our sin. That, that it affects us deeply. That we're not numb toward it. We're not arrogant about it. But maybe much more that we're appalled by it. That we're disgusted 
by it, how easily we turn away from the Lord. We see it as offensive, we're, we're shocked by it, and we grieve over the fact that we do things, say things, think things contrary to God. It may be our pride. It may be our tongue, the things that we say. It might be how quickly we are turned into bitterness or jealousy or envy. It might be things of how quickly we are impatient in our mind. It might be how hardened our heart can become. It might be how easily we lack a trust in God or how easily we turn away from the Lord. But when he's saying, blessed are those who mourn, I think he's talking about, in part, mourn over loss. But deeper than that, who mourn over their sin. Mourn over the fact of the things that they lust after. They mourn over the anger that fills their heart, their hatred or their prejudice. They mourn over the fact that they are so quick to want to steal, cheat. The one of the times I think of mostly when I think of mourning over sin, it's Jesus telling a parable in Luke chapter 18. And in this parable, there's two men who come to the temple to pray. And the first one is a Pharisee, meaning a religious leader of the day. And he comes into the temple and he says, Oh God, thank you that I'm not like these people, for I fast and I pray. But then a tax collector who would be one who would steal from his people so that he could line his own pockets, he comes into the temple to pray and it says that he comes in, he stands far off, he beats his breast, he wouldn't lift his eyes toward God and he says, be merciful to me, a sinner. I think what you see in this is someone who's mourning over their sin. Not just mourning over loss, but mourning over sin. He sees his actions. He knows his heart. He's heard the thoughts that run around in his mind, and he mourns for it. I think when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, he's in major part talking about blessing are those who mourn over their sin. And then when I was thinking through this, I was like, well, how could he say blessed? Like, that doesn't feel blessed. When, if you've been there where, you know, even as uh, Roman says, I don't do what I want to do and what I don't want to do, I do. It's the sin that's living inside of me. And you've been in that deep part where it's deeply affecting your soul for your sin. It's hard to say that that feels like a blessed time or that feels like a time where you're comforted. So how can he say blessed are those who mourn? They will have comfort. And as I was thinking through that, James 4, 8 through 10 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. See, what happens when we mourn over our sin is Jesus exalts us. That's how he can say it's blessed to mourn is because when we are in that state of mourning of our own sin, of being appalled by it, of being disgusted by it, what's happening in that moment is he's calling us blessed because he's beginning to exalt, exalt us. That's an unbelievable thought. The second thing of how can we say that it's comforting to go through a season like that? And again, I think in 2 Corinthians 7, 10, it says, for godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation. Blessed are you who mourn over your sin because what happens in there is you're not just getting the comfort to get you through this life, to get you through the day. When we mourn over our sin, God gives us a comfort that is an ultimate comfort, an eternal comfort. It's the comfort that comes from salvation. 
See, it is impossible to really be in a relationship with the Lord if we have not mourned over our sin. And so the mourning of sin is the start of a relationship with him. That's why you can say, blessed are those who mourn. Listen, when we mourn over loss, God comforts us for the day. But when we mourn over our sin, we enter into a relationship with God, what happens is he provides this ultimate comfort, this eternal comfort of a relationship with him. And when I, again, think through that, the first thing that comes to my mind is Peter. Now, that might be because when, as a house church, we're going through, we're getting ready to go through 1 Peter, and so we've been, as a house church, studying, kind of being reminded of who Peter is and what his life looked like. And so we've been deeply looking at that. And when I first think of someone who, who truly mourns over their sin, Peter was one of the first people that came to my mind. If you remember Peter, the story of Peter is Jesus tells him, hey, I'm going to get captured, I'm going to be killed, and you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, there's no way that's happening. I, everybody else will fall away, but I will not. And then moments later, he denies Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. And what it tells us is that he denies us even to a servant girl. He denies in such a way that he's cursing and swearing at people. In, the, in Matthew, it says that when he, when he kind of realizes in his mind that he has just denied Christ three times, he's also distanced himself from Christ. He's also um, doubted who Jesus is. And when that happens, it says he wept bitterly. In, in the book of Luke, it tells us that at that moment when the rooster crowed, Jesus made eye contact with Jesus, or with Peter. Jesus made eye contact with Jesus. Jesus made eye contact with Peter. And he wept. I think of Peter, and I think of him truly mourning over his sin. I think the thoughts that were going through Peter's mind is, I denied him. I flipped so quickly. I allowed fear to overtake me. It's like if you, if you look at Peter, he, he was in fight mode. Just a page before, he cut off a dude's ear, and then in like a flick of a switch, now he's in flight mode. But then you see, I believe, him mourning over his sin, him weeping over his sin of how could I do this to the Lord? Why is it that I couldn't speak up? Why is it that I couldn't stand firm? But what you notice is he doesn't say, you know what, I'm just going to try a lot harder next time. He doesn't try to be better, but he goes to the Lord as he is in mourning. He mourns for his sin. And what you see, if you follow along, is in John 21, he kind of talks with Jesus after Jesus rises, and God comforts, Jesus comforts him in this profound way. But I think, again, when we mourn over the loss, we're comforted for the day. But when we mourn over our sins, we're comforted with an eternal, king, or eternal comfort, an ultimate comfort. It's the comfort of knowing that we've been forgiven. Like, everything that we've ever done We've been forgiven. The ways that we fall short, the, the things that we say that are hurtful, we, we've been forgiven. When we begin to, to truly mourn and we're comforted to know that our sins have been washed whiter than snow, that we've been cleansed, that we've been made new, that our sin from us is as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he separated our sin from us. Talk about a comfort that we receive when we mourn is to know that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. When we mourn and we realize that Jesus it was the substitute, he took that for us. 
There is a comfort that goes far beyond a comfort of knowing that God is walking this life with me. It's an ultimate comfort, an eternal comfort. And that's why Psalm 32 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed are those who mourn over their sin, for they shall be comforted. It was an ultimate comfort, an eternal comfort. The comfort of knowing that we are free. I think that the comfort that we receive from the Lord is the comfort of knowing that what we're going through in this life is temporary. If we are in Christ, this is not our home. In fact, the word tells us that he's gone to prepare a place for us, that we will be with him in a permanent dwelling. Again, there is extreme comfort in that. There's extreme comfort when we mourn our sin and we're in a relationship with him to know that he has victory over sin. Death could not beat him. Death could not defeat him. And then he also, when we are in Christ, he gives us his spirit that allows us to have victory. Again, talk about comfort that comes from the Lord when we mourn. We get a comfort that knows that he wins, that he conquers, that he will take us to a new home, to a new city, a place where he will wipe every tear from our eyes, a place where there will be no more weeping and no more crying. And again, if we don't have a relationship with the Lord, I think that what can happen is we can mourn over the loss and we can experience some aspect of comfort. But there's a deeper comfort, a better comfort. It's a comfort that comes when we mourn our own sin and we realize how blessed that is and how comforting it is that we are now in a relationship with him. Our sins have been forgiven. We've been washed whiter than snow. Blessed are those who mourn over the loss of a loved one, for they shall be comforted. But even more so, I think, blessed are those who mourn over their own sins, for they shall be comforted with an ultimate comfort. But I think that there's another one that I want to talk about. I think blessed are those who mourn over sin, period. Over all sin. Not just my sin, over the sin of this world. Meaning that I'm, I'm grieved by it. It's not a feeling of numbness to it. It's, it's not a passive attitude toward it, but it's that really that there's, when I really look at the ways that we as a world treat the Lord, that I'm appalled by it, I'm disgusted by it, I'm shocked by it. And I think that most of us, if not all of us, can look around, you can probably watch one commercial and go, yep, this world's gone to hell in a handbasket. We can listen to the words that come from people's mouths, and all of us feel that. But it doesn't say, blessed are those who notice the sin of this world. I think that we can also count that sin as evil, but again, I don't think it says blessed are those who see the sins of this world and are like, yep, that's bad. And as I was thinking through this, I think that so often what we really do, those of us who are followers of Christ, is we judge sin more so than mourn over it. But this text, I think, is saying, blessed are those who mourn over the sin. And mourning is so much deeper than judging. See, mourning is when we have an inner grief over the sins of this world. It's deep. It affects us. It, it, it helps us, this mourning allows us to see how it hurts God, and that's why we mourn. That God, who has done so many awesome, beautiful, wonderful things that you can find all throughout the Word, and yet people 
go contrary to him, and that mourns. That's, that's a mourning because how could we as a people do that? We also mourn because we see how it affects the person who's living in sin, but it also how it affects the, the people around that person. Again, it doesn't say blessed are those who see other people's sins, who call other people's sins, who judge other people's sins, or who talk about other people's sins, but it's who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn. You see, as I was thinking about this week, and I was thinking how different judging, judgment and mourning are. See, I think judgment says, I can't believe that those people would do that. But I think mourning says, Lord, how could we do this to you? Judgment says, you know what? Those people will get what they deserve. But mourning says, Lord, please do not give them what they deserve. Judgment says, you know what? I would never do that type of a thing. And mourning says, man, I am just as capable of this. Judgment seems to be against the sinner, where I believe mourning is against the sin. Judgment is against someone's actions, where mourning is over the fact that their heart is distant from the Lord. See, again, I think most of us, we, we see the sins of this world and we, we judge those rather than mourn over those. But I think even in this text, blessed are those who mourn. He's saying blessed are those who mourn over loss, blessed are those who mourn over their sin, but also blessed are those who mourn over sin, period. Judgment, I think, says I'm better than these people, where mourning says, man, it is all level at the foot of the cross. The other thing I think that judgment does is judgment, it, when, it, when it happens in your heart and you think, man, I'm better than these people, it makes you want to stay far away from them. But when we mourn over sin, over all sin, it causes us to go to them. If you think of 2 Corinthians, we talked about the part of the verse a minute ago. It describes God as a God of all comfort who comforts us in our time of need. And then it says, so that we can use the comfort that we have received from him to comfort others. Godly mourning sends us to people. Judgment sends us away from people. And I think what, what Jesus is saying here is blessed are those who mourn over sin, period. Mourning is not an anger at the, at the sinner as much as it's a sadness over the sin. Mourning is not so much of a let me go preach at these people as it is, Lord, let me pray for these people and plead for these people. Judgment says, you know, these people just need to stop doing this, where mourning says, Lord, these people need to be saved. Do we mourn over sin? Sin in our own life and sin across this world. I believe that this text is saying, blessed are those who mourn and also who mourn over the sins of this world. You know that word blessed, I talked about this two weeks ago if you were here, but that word blessed means having the qualities and characteristics of God. So when we mourn over sin, period, we are having the very qualities and characteristics of God. And I was, th I was thinking about this, I started thinking, you know, I really believe that mourning over sin is one of, if not the defining characteristic of God. You can see it throughout the whole Bible, even all the way before Noah. And like, I think I always read this verse. Like it says that the people are just crazy. They're doing all the wrong things. And it says that God regrets that he had ever made them. And I think I've always read that verse thinking God is mad. He's about to destroy people. But I think it's much more of a mourning. 
than it is in anger. I think it is God saying, I can't believe. I mean, I, I know that they would, but I can't believe that they would sell themselves this short, that they would do these things when I've done all of this for them. I think that mourning is one of God's most basic and defining characteristics. And when we mourn the sins of this world, we connect with him. We display him in a powerful and wonderful way. That's why he sends his son. That's why his, Jesus comes, that he desires that all people will be saved. Because it's one of the most defining characteristics. In fact, as I was thinking through this, I was thinking, you know what? God's defining characteristic, one of them is that he mourns over sin. So much that he sends his son. And I started thinking about Jesus, and I was like, man, Jesus displays mourning over sin in an amazing way. In fact, there are three times in the Bible that Jesus is quoted to have cried or mourned or wept. I'm going to go through them not in the order that you would find them if you're reading through the Bible, but the first one that I was thinking through is Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7, this is what it says. In Jesus' days of flesh, he offered up prayers and supplication with loud cries and tears. So you, you can picture Jesus like with loud cries and tears before the Lord. And I was thinking about that. I was like, man, the time that I, can mo that I think most typifies him doing that is he's mocked, he's beaten, the crown of thorns is put on his head. And he's put on the cross, and he's about to die. And he says, Lord, forgive them. They do not know what they do. I think that in that, you see Jesus mourning over sin. The second time that you see Jesus crying, it's in Luke chapter 19, 41 through 44. What happens in this text is that Jesus draws near to Jerusalem. He sees this city, the city of people who are going far against him and away from him. And it says he saw this city and he wept over it. And then it says the reason why he's weeping is because they didn't know the way to peace. I think that, that Jesus is mourning over the fact that they are in sin, in this deep sin, and in this way that is totally contrary to him. And he's mourning over it. He's mourning over the fact that they would believe a lie and accept it for the truth. He's mourning over the fact that they would rather be in darkness than in light. Mourning is a, is a, is a characteristic of Christ. The third time that you see Jesus, probably the most well-known of him crying or him weeping, is surrounded Lazarus. And if you know the story, Lazarus finds out he's sick, he's, he's dying, and they send for Jesus to come that he may heal him, and Jesus doesn't go. He doesn't show up. Lazarus dies. He's placed in a tomb. Then Jesus shows up. And Lazarus' two sisters, Mary and Martha, they see Jesus, they come to him, and they both in separate instances say, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. And then Jesus says, show me the tomb. And they take him to the tomb where Lazarus, his friend, is. And it says, that he was deeply moved and he was grieved. And then it's the shortest verse in the whole Bible. You can all memorize one verse of the entire Bible. Jesus wept. He saw the tomb, he was grieved and he wept. But why did he weep? Moments later, he will say, open up the tomb, the tomb will be open. He will say, Lazarus, come forth. 
and Lazarus, who will be in his grave clothes, will stand up, come back to life, and walk out of the tomb. Jesus is not grieved over the loss of Lazarus because Lazarus is not going to be lost anymore. Okay, well, maybe he's grieved over the sisters that they lost their brother. He's going to be alive in seconds. Why is Jesus grieved? Why is he weeping? I think he's weeping at something far deeper than the fact that Lazarus had died. I think he's weeping over the fact that death exists. And death exists because of sin. It's a consequence of sin. When Jesus weeps, I believe all three times that Jesus weeps, he's mourning over sin. He's mourning over the consequences of sin. So the reason why I think it says, blessed are we who mourn, for we shall be comforted, because when we mourn over the loss, we can be comforted to get us through the day. When we, when we mourn over our sin, we can be comforted with a comfort that takes us through this life, an ultimate comfort, an eternal comfort. And I think, blessed are we when we mourn sin because we connect with our God. We display the very characteristics that He has. And again, that mourning, it's not a passive attitude toward, but an active attitude. It's an attitude that sends us as his hands and feet, to, to give the good news over the fact that, yes, sin exists, but when we mourn over it, we're washed whiter than snow. We enter into a relationship with him. We understand victory. It's this powerful thing. Blessed are those who mourn. As I said, I think when we mourn over the loss and we're comforted with the comfort that gets us through the day, that's really, really good. And I can tell you that when I lost my cousin, I didn't have a relationship with the Lord, and yet there was a comfort that I received from the Lord that allowed me to go on. But I think it's even better when we get to a point where we mourn over our sin and we have a comfort that's beyond this life. It's an ultimate comfort, an eternal comfort, the comfort that comes through salvation. But again, I think that most of us have experienced the loss of a loved one. Some of us here have experienced the, the, law, the mourning over our sin and my guess is that there's probably much fewer of us that truly mourn over sin. But we're blessed when we do that because we have the very qualities and characteristics of God. We receive this comfort of living in him, of having the spirit coming through us that we mourn over sin. We join him in it with a desire to put things in this world back together, which is why he came. As I was thinking through this and the fact that probably all of us have experienced the morning of a loss, many of us have experienced the morning of our sins, and probably fewer of us than that have experienced the morning of our sin. I was thinking just about the fact that he came. Like, I think that I can become so flippant about it. Like Jesus left the comforts of heaven to come to earth to forgive us of our sins. And I think that we, we talk about it so much in a way it just becomes like, oh yeah, he just, you know, it's just what he did. I think that we fail to remember the, the, the beauty of that and how unbelievable it is. 
that he would come and that he mourned over sin so much that it sent him to us. And it didn't just send it, him to us so that he could like give us the Beatitudes and that would be the end of it. Like I'll just preach these. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn. They should be comforted. All right, guys, see you later. No, he ended up taking our place, dying for our sins. His body was broken. His blood was spilled. And so today, um, I want us to be reminded of that. I don't think that we really truly get to a point to where we're willing and able and to mourn over our sins unless we really understand the cost. So today, um, we're going to partake in communion. We know that through, through Scripture, the night before Jesus um, died, he, he was with his disciples and he, he said, guys, this is my body. He took a loaf of bread. So this is my body and it's been broken for you. And then this is my blood that has been spilled for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And so my hope for today is that we recognize the fact that God wants to comfort us when we're mourning over the loss. But, but I think that God also wants us to truly get to a point to where we mourn over our sins and the sins of this world. And to recognize that the answer in that, the comfort that comes from that, is from Christ and Christ alone. So when, when we start the next song here in just a minute, feel free at whatever point in time you're ready. If you truly are in a relationship with the Lord, you've mourned over your sins. To feel free to come forward and to break a piece of the bread and to dip it into the, the juice. And to take it back to your seat. And at whatever point in time you're ready, to just be reminded that his body was broken for us, to forgive us of that sin. And what, that's why it's so blessed when we mourn. It's not that we mourn and we have to like um, have that, those ashes. They used to put ashes on their head when they're mourning, but he wants to take our ashes and give us a beautiful headdress. And so this time doesn't need to be a somber time, much more a celebration time of the fact that mourning leads to comfort. It leads to a blessing. And so blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Let's pray. God, I come before you just acknowledging that there are probably people in this room who even now are mourning over the loss of a loved one, mourning the loss of a dream. It can even be a dream of what you want your family to look like, a dream of what you want your job to look like, a dream of what you want your house to look like. But God, I pray that you will give them a comfort to get them through today. But God, I also pray that it would be deeper than that for all of us here, that we would mourn over the fact that we are so quick to turn from you. And that you'd provide a comfort of knowing that we have been saved, that we are free, that we have a victory in you. And God, I pray that for all of us here, that we would look at our world and we wouldn't judge the sins of this world yet we would mourn over the sins of this world. That our greatest desire would to see people come into a relationship with you, to know you, to walk with you, that they may be comforted with a comfort that goes far beyond the comfort for today, that gives us an eternal comfort, an ultimate comfort, a comfort of knowing you, being in relationship with you, and a comfort of through the Spirit being able to live like you. God, I thank you that one of your most powerful and defining qualities and characteristics is that you mourn over sin so much that you made a way for us to be in relationship with you, for us to experience forgiveness. And it took you, your body being broken and your blood being spilled. And so as we celebrate that fact today, I pray that you would turn our mourning 
into laughter. You would turn our weeping into dancing as we celebrate what you have done for us. In your awesome, precious name, amen.